scripture text can be found in the book of Hebrews chapter 10. That's the book of Hebrews chapter 10. And I want to lift up verses 23 through 25. That's Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25. And it reads, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. Lord, stir our worship. When we talk about worship, uh, a lot of times we talk about singing. We talk about lifting our hands. We talk about clapping. We talk about shouting hallelujah. That is worship. But there's another aspect of worship that we fail to engage in sometimes when we fail to realize is actually worship. And that is the lifestyle that we live. Amen. We are to live a lifestyle of worship. Worship is not just something that we engage in on Sunday morning. Worship is not just something that we do in the sanctuary. Worship is something that we engage in every single day of our life. Worship has to be a lifestyle. Worship has to be a life choice. Amen. So again, when we talk about choosing to worship, we're choosing to live a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle that reflects our Heavenly Father, a lifestyle that helps us to engage Him on a daily basis. Worship. Yes, when we talk about worship too, we, we often don't think about the fact that we let our worship be dictated by others. Amen. If there's nobody else shouting, I won't shout. If there's nobody else saying amen, I won't say amen. If there's nobody else lifting up their hands, I won't lift up my hands. But it's just something about sometimes when you get into an atmosphere and you got enough free people that are willing to engage in worship and you got enough free people who are willing to lift up their voices, even if nobody else is lifting up their voice, it's just something about having that one individual that's willing to be free in their worship and it somehow it seems to catch fire amongst the other believers. Yes. Just think about it for a moment when you go to different concerts and different things of that nature. It seems to be everybody there is free. Hallelujah. Everybody is singing along. Everybody understands that I'm there to engage and have a good time. But when it comes to church, we seem to think that that doesn't seem to apply. But when I come to church, I come to engage. I come to have a good time. I come to sing and shout for the Lord. I come that I might give God glory. And in fact, that's the reason that we gather in church is to give God glory and to hear a word from a Lord that will encourage us, that will strengthen us, and that will motivate us so that when we go back out into the world to live a life of worship, 
then we are engaging the world through a perspective of that God has touched my life in the sanctuary, but I'm not going to leave it in the sanctuary. I'm going to bring it out into the world with me, and I'm going to live a life of praise and worship. I'm going to live a life that glorifies God. And as I live that life of praise and worship, the life that glorifies my heavenly Father out in the world, and people began to see the life of worship that I live, it began to speak to them, and they may begin to ask you, what is it about you that causes you to live the way you live? What is it about you that causes you to act the way you act? What is it about you that causes you to do the things that you do? Amen. And the truth be told, they're already asking that question. They're just not asking you. Amen. Uh-huh. Why they act like that? Why they always doing that? Amen. And then sometimes it ain't always a good thing. Amen. Why they always flossing? Amen. Why they always capping? Amen. Why they always doing that stuff? Why they always acting wild? Why they always doing? There is a life of worship that we are to live and that we are to glorify God because our lives are filled with worship because we are worshipers. In John, it says that God is seeking worshipers, true worshipers, those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. The question we've got to ask ourselves, am I a true worshiper? Am I worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth? Am I worshiping God from the perspective in which he wants to be worshiped? So when we talk about Lord's stir our worship, we need God to stir us up in our worship, stir us up so that we can engage him in worship, so that we can come together with one another and engage in worship. As I said earlier, God is just looking for some people that are willing to say yes. You'd be surprised as he began to move in us and as he began to work through us at what he can do if we're just willing to say yes, if we're just willing to get free in our worship. Amen. It don't take much to lift up your hands in a service. And one of the things that keeps us from worshiping is because sometimes we're not engaging God outside of the sanctuary. We're not engaging God throughout the week. But if we engage God throughout the week by getting into his word, by praying and begin to meditate on the things of God, we've spent time with God during the week. And because we spent time in the word, it was just something about once I began to understand and learn the word, when the preacher began to preach, I knew what he was talking about. I knew understood where we was coming from. I understood the principles and the promises that he was talking about. And it just began to agree in my spirit. And it began to allow me to be able to say, amen. Because I knew that what he was saying was true. I knew that what they were saying was agreeing with my spirit. And, and when I began to get happy, because sometimes the word began to get good to you because you know where they're going. And it begins to stir up in you. And you began to realize that God is blessing and that God is moving and that the word of God is coming forth. And it began to stir up something in. And the next thing you know, you're on your feet saying, amen. Preach, preacher. That's what we began to do when we began to realize that there's a connection with me and the word because I spent some time with God and I spent some time in the word during the week. But if I'm not spending time with God, if I'm not spending time in his word, if I'm not spending time praying and meditating, yes, I may come to church and never lift up my hand. I may come to church and never cry hallelujah because I haven't been spending time in the word with God. But if I've been spending time with the Lord, 
if I've been in connection with God. It's just something about Sunday morning that, that stirs. It's just something about Sunday morning that I'm already motivated. There's something about Sunday morning. Nobody has to get me motivated because the Spirit of God has already began to motivate me because I know I'm going to the house of God to worship. I'm going to the house of God to engage in worship. I'm going to the house of God with the rest of the saints, and I pray that they have engaged as we get together. It's a shouting hallelujah, good time in the Lord because we've already began to worship before we got there. Amen. So when we look at this thing called worship, I want us to look at the Hebrews, and it says in there that we stir up our worship when we walk in affirmations of faith and engage in actions of grace while faithfully attending the means of grace and encouraging one another. Yes, it's about worship when we look at the text before us today. When we look at our text, we'll find that it's the book of Hebrews. And the Hebrews were challenged in their worship because the Hebrews were being challenged to walk away from the faith. Many of them have begun to turn back, and Paul, or, or some believe this Paul, who is writing, said, I need you to hold on. I, I need you to stay encouraged. And, and this letter is being written to encourage the Hebrew to hold on, to encourage the church of the Hebrew to, to keep the faith and, and to not give up and to not walk away. And as he shares in this letter, he begins to pen in that 23rd verse, which will be our first point there. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the people, to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted and keep his promise. Yes, God can be trusted and keep his promise. The first thing that we need to see and understand is this. We got to persevere in our affirmations of faith. Yes, we got to persevere in our affirmations of faith. Jones, what do you mean persevere in our affirmations of faith? There are some affirming things that we declare with our mouths. There are some affirming things that we declare with our lives. And those things are the writer encourages us, the readers, and he's encouraging us today to hold tightly, to hold firmly to the hope that we have. What are the things that we're holding on to? What is this hope that we're holding on to? We're holding on to the fact that Jesus is our Savior from sin and death. That Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. That Jesus' sacrifice covers our sins and makes it possible for us to experience God's forgiveness. That Jesus is the risen Lord and that Jesus is the great high priest. He's the intercessor. We're holding on to those things. He's encouraging the church of Hebrews to hold on and to understand that these things are true. We're not coming from some fictitious place. We're not trusting in a Savior that has not proven himself. But we're trusting in one who has done everything that he said he would do. And in fact, he said that he keeps his promises. And because he is the Lord of Lords, he is the King of Kings, we put our faith and our trust in him. I make my affirmation in the fact that who Jesus Christ is. He is my Lord and my Savior. He's the one who saved me from my sins and my, from death. And he is the one who saved me and gave the perfect sacrifice on my behalf. It wasn't anybody else. It was Jesus who was the perfect sacrifice. It was his blood and his blood alone that covers my sins. It was because of Jesus that I can experience that saving grace, that forgiving power that comes through God. It's because of Jesus that I can experience those things. So I'm holding firmly, I'm holding tightly to that. But notice what he goes on to say. He says that when you hold tightly, he's encouraging to hold tightly. 
And they said, the voices of discouragement are crying and speaking loudly. There are so many voices today that are crying out to you, that are pushing you to go in the wrong direction. Yes, you might say, well, how do you know I'm going in the wrong direction? If you're going away from God, you're going in the wrong direction. And, and when those voices are coming to discourage us, the, those voices are coming to try to get us to move in the wrong direction. And they're speaking loudly. We've got to begin to hold fastly and to hold tightly to the faith in Jesus Christ. There are so many voices around us that are trying to cause us to doubt Christ. To doubt his death, to doubt his resurrection, to doubt who he is, who he said he is. He is the son of God. He is the savior of the world. He is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is that one. Amen. I know some of us might think we're the one, but Jesus Christ is that one. He is that one like no other. He is that one that we can put our hope and our trust in. He is that one. He's the one who saves us. He's the one who makes it possible. And it's him and him alone. No one else. He is the one. But don't let the challenges of life shake you. This is where the enemy uses the world and the things of the world. He begins to try to shake us in our faith. When we begin to wake up and, and go through life and they say, look at it, life ain't going too good for you right now. All that church stuff ain't doing you any good, is it? But I encourage you to hold tightly and hold firmly because I found out for myself what my grandmother already knew. I found out for myself what other family members already knew. I found out for myself what other people have already gone before me already knew. And that if you hold on to Jesus Christ, if you hold tightly to the faith, I know the world will try to shake you. I know the world will try to tell you to turn around. I know the world will try to tell you, you ain't doing nothing in that church. You're not having a good time. But let me tell you, it's a choice if you want to have a good time in the kingdom. Yeah. It's a choice if you want to have a good time in the Lord. It's a choice whether or not you want to be happy in Jesus. It's a choice whether or not you want to experience the joy of the Lord. If you let the world tell you that you're missing out. If you let the world tell you that you're not going to get the joy of the life that you're living because you're a Christian. You're sadly mistaken. We got to understand and know that I've got more joy being in Christ than I do being in the world. And it's because you're in the church don't mean you have to stop doing certain things in life. Now, there are certain things that you need to stop doing, but just because you're in the church doesn't mean that there's certain things you don't have to stop. You can still enjoy life. You can still go out and have a good time in life. Don't let people tell you that because you're a Christian, you can't enjoy life. Don't let people tell you because you're a Christian that you got to be dry and that you got to be a fuddy-duddy all the time. But don't let somebody else's Christian life dictate how you live your life, too. Amen. Amen. Because some of us think that because that person lived their life that way, then, then that, that's how I got to live my life. No, but you still got to live holy. Amen. Amen, Amen lights. Amen. You still got to live according to the word of God and the power of God. But you can still enjoy life. You can still go out in this world and engage the world and do it in a Christian manner. You can still go out and have a good time in life. You can't just sit around all day long reading your Bible. I know you want to go out and enjoy life and have a good time in this world, but that's how we witness too. By going out and letting the Christian in us be seen in the world. Letting the Christ in us be seen out in the world. Let the Christ in us be seen having a joyous time in the Lord. Letting the Christ be seen in us, and we don't need extra stuff, amen, to get happy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Happy in Jesus. Amen. He can take you higher than you ever been. Amen. Amen. 
because I know some of us been up there. <laughs> Amen. Some of us still ain't came down. Amen. But when we understand that Jesus Christ is the one, and we got to hold on to these affirmations of our faith. We have the strong reason to hold tightly to our profession of faith because God is faithful. Amen. Now, if you just think for a moment, who in your life has been faithful, has never let you down, has been there every time you needed them? They never, you've never called them and they never picked up. You've called them every time and they picked up every single time. You asked them for help and every single time they came to your rescue. Who can you say is that person? But when it comes to God, my goodness, he come through every time. Well, I prayed and he didn't show up. He might not have showed up when you wanted him to, but I guarantee you still on time. Amen. You, you, you're complaining about he, he, he didn't show up when I wanted to. He didn't provide me with what I asked for, but you're still here. Hallelujah. You, you're still making it in life. See, we, sometimes we get caught up in thinking, I got to have this and I got to have that. And because I'm not getting this or I'm not getting that, then my life is not that good. My life is going down here. But when you understand that God is providing you with everything you stand in need of, that God is a promise keeper, that he's helping you to have life every single day. And every single day that we have life, we're making it. And I know Taisha asked a question before. How is the people out here in this world making it and they don't have jobs? Amen. Some of them may be trusting Jesus. Some of them out here just living any means necessary. Amen. They're not necessarily living a good life, but they're just out here living. But when you're in Jesus Christ, when you're living for Christ, and when you're trusting in Christ, when you're holding tightly to Jesus, when you're holding tightly to your faith, God will help you to make it. When you're holding tightly to your faith, God will open doors that nobody can else open. God will make a way out of no way. When you're holding tightly to Jesus, you may not know how the next check is coming, but you just keep holding on tightly to Jesus and walking in his plan and walking in his will and walking in his way and watch him work it out because God is a promise keeper and we're holding on because he is faithful. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor a seed begging bread. Now you might not have had what you wanted, but you had what you needed. See, we keep getting our needs and our wants mixed up. If we need food, we don't necessarily have to have a filet mignon. Amen. Amen. Bologna sandwich will do you just fine. When we think about the fact that God is providing for each and every day, and if you look at the world around you, it keeps going further and further down. And if you keep looking at the world around, there seems to be a food shortage headed our way. There's gas prices that are outrageous, but God is still making a way out of no way. God is still providing. God is still putting food on the table. God is still allowing you to be able to pay these astronomical gas prices. God is still blessing you, even in the midst of what we experience. So I trust him and I hold on to him because I'm going to persevere in my affirmations of faith. But not only that, we got to look at verses 24 and we look at verse 24 it said, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Well, that just shows me that when I look at that second verse or that 24th verse, it just shows me that we got to persevere in our actions of grace. Yes, we got to persevere in our actions of grace. What do you mean, Jones, persevere in our actions of grace? Well, if you look at that text, it tells us that let us think of ways to motivate one another. 
in acts of love. See, we make the mistake again thinking that worship is about us. The text is showing me that worship is not just about us getting what we want. Matter of fact, worship is not about us at all. Worship is first of all about God. And then worship is about God moving on behalf and in the life of others. All I've got to do when I come to worship is to be an instrument in the hands of God that he might use me to be a benefit and a blessing to others, as well as be a blessing to him. My first objective when I come to worship is to bless the name of the Lord. My first objective when I come to the house of God is to bless the name of the Lord. My motivation to come is that I'm going to be a blessing to the Lord. My motivation for coming through the doors is that I'm going to lift up my voice for the Lord. My motivation in coming and worshiping is the fact that God is there and that I'm going to meet God in that place along with the other believers. And as we collectively come together and we worship God and as we give our worship and as we glorify his holy name, God begins to move amongst us. And he encourages us to motivate one another. Notice what he said, motivate one another in acts of love and good works. Love and good works come by God's grace. Look at what Paul, the grace of God is God's love. God loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. That's grace. Paul said that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone, not of works at least any man should boast. So it's not works that save us. It's the grace of God that saved us. Well, what happened to make grace come? It's the love of God. Because God loved us so much, he didn't want anybody to perish. He wanted all of us to come to saving faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And so that happened when he expressed his love by sending his son, Jesus, to the cross at Calvary. That's love. That's love when you can send your only begotten child to the cross to die for sinful and wretched humanity. That's love when you can send your child to the cross to know that nobody else is believing in him and nobody wants to accept him. That's love knowing that they're going to ridicule him. They're going to beat him. That's love knowing that some will reject him. That's love to send your only child to the cross to die for others. But notice what happened. God is also doing good works. Because in that same process of Jesus going to the cross at Calvary, there was a good work done. There was a good work done. And it was done on our behalf. Notice what Jesus shows us at that cross experience. He shows us how to love selflessly. He wasn't selfish to say, no, Father, I'm not going. They don't even like me. They're spitting on me. They're talking about me. They want to kill me. They tried to kill me three times already. And I'm not going because of those people. Why would I die for them? But instead, he goes to the cross at Calvary, and he dies in our place. That was good works. And because he did it, he didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. So when he talks about love and the works of grace, we come to the church, we're coming, and we're going to persevere in our actions of grace. What does that mean? I'm going to love when I come to worship, but I'm going to love when I go out into the world because I live a life of worship. I'm going to make sure that I'm doing good works when I'm in the church, but I'm going to make sure that I'm doing good works when I'm out in the world because that is worship. And when we turn to love by the acts of grace, by loving and doing good works, we're acting upon the grace of God. We're acting in the grace of God because we're loving. We're graciously loving people beyond their faults and loving them beyond all of their issues. We're loving people. Hey, man. See, that's one thing that all of us want is to be loved. But some of us got issues. Hey, man. And sometimes it's hard to love us. But when you can find somebody that will love you beyond your issues, 
When you can find somebody that will love you beyond your faults. When you can find somebody that's willing to love you to the point that they're willing to pick you up in spite of who you are, in spite of what you've done, in spite of how you may treat them. But they're willing to love you. They're willing to love you beyond all of that. That's what Jesus did for us. He loved us to the point that he was willing to pick us up. He loved us to the point that even when we rejected him, he kept on loving us. He died for us while we were yet sinners. And because of that, he showed the greatest love of all, that love that went beyond limits, that love that went beyond thought and failures. And because he loved us in such a way, he gave us that grace of Jesus, that grace of God, and that grace is what picks us up. That grace is what saves us, and that grace is what allows us to go on and do good works. Because he said we're strengthening and encouraging one another to do good works. We've got to learn to strengthen and encourage one another to go out and do good works to go out and live a life that promotes the gospel of Jesus Christ, to go out and live a life that promotes the goodness of the Lord. That's what the world is missing. They're missing seeing those who will share the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only in words, but through their life, through the way that we live, through the, the way that we conduct ourselves. They're seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ and as simple as being considerate of one another. Having to show concern for one another. Yes, meeting the needs of one another and being someone's strength when their time of weakness is there. Walking with others through their trials and temptation. When we do that, we're showing and walking the goodness of the Lord. We're showing and walking the good works of God. And when we do that, we're showing someone else that God loves them. Who have you motivated lately? Who have you encouraged to stand strong in the faith? Who have you come alongside and said, you can make it? Who have you come alongside and said, I'm here with you. I'm willing to walk with you. I'm willing to be your strength right now because I see that you're weak. I'm willing to share with you. I'm willing to pray with you. Who have you done that with lately that you might show them the love and the good works of God? Yes, that's what we've got to do. We've got to come along and encourage one another that we might lead them in the righteousness of Christ, that they might come to a saving faith. And as they come to that saving faith, we can understand because we persevere in the actions of grace. But not only must we persevere in our affirmations of faith, we've got to persevere in our actions of grace. We've got to look at that 25th verse where it tells us, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We've got to make sure that we're persevering in our attendance and encouragement. That we're persevering in our attendance and encouragement. Notice what he says there. And let us not neglect our meeting together. The writer says that we've got to make sure that we keep coming together. We got to keep meeting. We got to Keep coming together. Why? Because we need each other. We are not long-ranger. You've heard me say it before. We are not long-ranger Christians, but we need each other. We need one another. Whether you think so or not, we need one another. You didn't make it by yourself. You made it because you had a connection of people around you. And I know some people might feel, well, I, I didn't have nobody in my life. I didn't have nobody with me. You've had people with you. Some people were with you and you didn't know they were with you. You've had some people with you, then especially if you've been in the church. And if you've been in the church, you sure enough had some people with you. 
And for those of us who have grown up in the church, you know you had some people with you. It's been plenty of times, and, and things maybe need to go back to that. I know we keep trying to advance, and we keep trying to leave old ways behind. But there are some things that our previous generation had down packed. There were some things that our grandmothers and great-grandmothers understood. And it's one thing that they understood, that we are a community, that we are a community of believers, that we are a community of people that need each other. That's why when one had, he had that saying, if one has, we all had. If the lady down the street needed some eggs, she could go a couple doors down. She didn't have to go to the store. But now if you need eggs, you got to go to the store and get your own eggs. Amen. If you need flour, you got to go get your own flour. But what happened to being able to share with one another, being able to share in a community, being able to see that somebody has a need, and all they had to do was knock on your door, and you were available unto them? What happened when we came together in worship and you begin to find out there's a need in the house? There's somebody who has a need in the house of God. And as the work of talk about somebody going down, you didn't have to go to crisis. You could just look over there and somebody will say, we're going to come together and take up a love offering to meet the need that is in the house. We're going to come together and bless this brother or sister that they might have their needs met. What happened to when people would just come together and begin to see that there was somebody who needed some food in the house and the whole church would get together and bring food and they had an abundance of food that would be in their house and they didn't have to worry about going hungry. What happened when people would come together and see that somebody needs their light bill paid and we would come together and make sure that the light bill got paid so that they could keep the lights on, to make sure that their rent got paid so that they can keep a roof over their head. That's what we got to get back to. We got to get back to being a community. We got to get back to coming together and making sure that we are coming together as believers and, and that we're coming together in attendance to the house of God. And we're coming together in attendance to the worship of our great God. We got to make sure that we are worshiping. And when we come together to worship, we are attending worship together. And as we come together in attendance, and as we come together to worship, and as we find ourselves in the midst of worship because we're coming together, we come together that we might give praise and glory to our great God. We come together that we might lift up holy hands. We come together that we might worship and pray and study the word of God. We come together that we might minister and witness together. We come to worship that we might fellowship to God because fellowship is important. I don't think we realize how important fellowship is too. But if you think about fellowship, your life is mostly built on fellowship. Amen. But the, the problem is that some of us have been fellowshipping with the wrong people. Hallelujah. We've been fellowshipping with more sinners than we've been fellowshipping with the saints. But the reason that we've been fellowshipping with the saints over the sinners over the saints because we don't like the, what the saints do. Amen. Amen. But then we got to learn that the saints ain't supposed to do what sinners do. Amen. Amen. But we got to learn to fellowship with the saints and, and help the saints to understand that we can have a good time in the Lord. Amen. But when we begin to fellowship, we talk about fellowship. And the thing we get about fellowship, too, fellowship is really about God. Hallelujah. See, again, because we have allowed the world to begin to dictate what we're doing in the church and allow the world to begin to present to the church, this is how you need to do it. We got to go back to letting God show us how to do it because fellowship is really about God. When we talk about true fellowship in the church, it centers around God, not each other, not one another, not what we want, but it centers around God. And when we talk about fellowship in the church, it means that we are coming together collectively around God. And as we come together collectively around God, God can begin to move in the midst of us and send directions out in the midst of us because we're coming together around God. But when we begin to fellowship the wrong way, we begin to fellowship when it's about us. 
When we begin to fellowship where it's about what we want and what we like, that's what the world does. When we talk about true fellowship in the church, it's about what God wants and what God can do through us. How we come together in connection with God. How we come together around God. And as a result of coming together around God, God can begin to move on our heart that we might begin to bless and be a blessing to the community. And as we begin to be a blessing to the community, we become a sure and strong fellowship. Have you ever wondered why sometimes the church is called a fellowship? Yes, let's go over to this fellowship of believers. Let's go over to that fellowship of believers. That's because they understand that believers are to come together around God and fellowship one with another about God and around God. It's not to come together and fellowship over Jack. Amen. It's not to come to fellowship over Henny. Amen. It's not to come together and fellowship over all that other stuff, but it's to come to fellowship around God. And as we fellowship around God, we begin to see the importance of fellowship. And then we begin to offer uh, something to God as we come together in worship. But the world wants us to offer an alternative fellowship and an alternative worship. We can't let the world dictate our worship, but we got to learn to worship God for who he is and for what he's done for us. And we got to learn to keep encouraging one another. We keep coming so that we can keep encouraging one another. It's difficult to encourage you if you're not here. It's difficult to encourage you if we're missing. It's difficult to be an encouragement if you're not here. It's difficult to be an encouragement if we're missing. But if we're together, and if we keep coming together, we can keep being an encouragement. If we keep coming together, we can keep enriching each other's lives. If we keep coming together, we can keep motivating one another. If we keep coming together, we can keep telling somebody, you can make it. You can keep coming together, you can tell somebody, you're going to be all right. If you keep coming together, we can tell somebody, I'm still praying for you. If we keep coming together, if we keep attendance and worship, and we keep encouraging one another, we'll begin to reflect the church that God wants us to be. We'll begin to reflect the church of true worship because we're concerned about one another, because we're showing acts of love and acts of grace through our love and good works. We're showing that we are truly following the Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, because we are truly worshiping the Lord. So we let God to stir up our worship. Ask God to stir up my spirit. Ask God to stir up my heart so that as I began to worship, I'm making worship about God and not about me. Because we're worshiping the Lord. So I pray that as we continue to serve the kingdom of God, that God will stir us up in our worship. And as he stirs us up in our worship, that we'll persevere in our affirmations of faith. That we'll persevere in our actions of grace. And that we'll persevere in our attendance and encouragement. And in the end, the kingdom of God will be edified. The people around us will be picked up and lifted up and God will be glorified. And we will have been service to the kingdom. We have been tools in his hands that he can use to be a blessing in the life of others. Amen. It's time to worship. It's time to give God the glory, the honor and the praise. It's time to give God true worship. I pray that that message stirred your spirit to the desire to worship, the desire to give God true worship. But I pray that it also encouraged you to hold on, to keep the faith, to keep trusting and believing because God is faithful and he keeps his promises. But I also pray that that message stirred you if you have not accepted Jesus Christ to accept him as Lord and Savior to ask him to come into your life, to ask him to save you from your sins. 
Ask God to come in, save you, and then ask him to fill you with the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. He'll do just that. Because his word declares, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. So if you call upon his name, ask him to come in and save you, ask him to come in and forgive you, and ask him to fill you with the power and the presence of his Holy Spirit. He'll do just that. And then I pray that as you have accepted Jesus Christ, welcome to the kingdom. Now it's time to get to work. Now it's time to give God true worship and to true praise. And as we give him that worship and praise, and as we get into that work that God wants us to do, we want to connect with you so that we might help you or you might can help us engage in kingdom work. So connect with us by sending us an email at wesleyonmain at yahoo.com. That's wesleyonmain at yahoo.com. Or you can come and visit us in, in person at 615 Brandon Road here in the city of Charlotte, North Carolina. That's 615 Brandon Road, Charlotte, North Carolina. And we can also connect with you through our virtual worship at www.wesleyamazonchurch.net. That's www.wesleyamazonchurch.net. There on our website, you can find a link that will bring you into our worship service on Sunday, as well as our Sunday school and also our Bible study on Wednesday nights. So we look forward to connecting with you. We look forward to worshiping with you. We look forward to glorifying God together with you. So connect with us that we might worship together. Connect with us that we might encourage one another. Connect with us so that we can also share the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ with the rest of the world. So until next time, God bless. Thank you.